$167,000. I'll settle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? It's a charming tune. Hello and welcome back for the sixth episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best, part of our ongoing series where we discuss the Bond movie soundtracks. I am your host, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, but of course, I'm not here by myself. I've got my co-host, best friend in the world with me, Mr. Alan J. Porter. How are you doing today, Alan? I'm doing good, Jared. Thank you for asking, and uh, hopefully things are going well with you. And So we were just talking about it's getting a little stir-crazy, but uh, we're good. (laughs) There's always fun stuff to talk about and enjoy, be it music, movies, comics, whatever. So, and novels. A lot of fun stuff out there to enjoy and talk about and looking forward to this conversation about the Octopussy soundtrack. Absolutely. So, here's what we're going to do on the six of the best. Same thing we always do. This time around, I have the lead, which means I will be introducing you to the title song and then I'll pick three of my favorite tracks from the score and then I'll leave those leftovers for Alan and he'll pick three of his favorites from the leftovers and then I'll wrap it all up with a bonus track at the end. I feel like I went through that way too easily and way too fast. <laughs> like, I feel like there needed to be more words. Yeah, I was thinking, what did you miss? But I don't <laughs> think of what it was you did. Yeah, anyway, so Six of the Best is going to give you eight tracks like it usually does. Uh, just trust us on this. And like Alan alluded to this month, whether you're dressed like an ape or perhaps a Cuban soldier or even a clown, it's going to be an all-time high as we listen to the music of Octopussy. All right, let's get into a quick overall summary of the entire soundtrack. So good news, everyone. John Barry, by this time in 1983, had settled his tax debt with the UK, so he's back on set. (laughs) He had Tim Rice all set for the lyrics. You may know Tim Rice from such hits as Jesus Christ, Superstar, and Evita. So he had Tim Rice all lined up for the lyrics on All Time High. And then when you get to the score itself, there's a heavy use of the James Bond theme. Heavier than we've had in in a while, and and maybe heavier than we'll see since then. And they say a lot of that has to do with the fact that this was the year they were going head-to-head with Never Say Never Again. 1983, Octopussy comes out, Never Say Never Again comes out. Eon really wanted people to know, you're watching the James Bond movie because, of course, Never Say Never Again didn't have the rights to that very noticeable and catchy theme. Interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in, in those terms, but yeah. yeah. that So saith our book, which okay. I will cite right now, the John Berling game book, The Music of James Bond. Everyone should get themselves a copy. That's where I learned it from. Here's another thing I found interesting that I, I read in the book. There's lots of locales in this movie, as anyone who's seen it will know. You've got Cuba-ish, you've got India, Soviet Union, you've got Berlin, you've got circus themes. But Barry really focused the movie on Bond. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said, I wanted Bond to carry the music and I'd add just a dash of flavors of the locales. Just a little flavors instead of going heavy on the locale sounds and then shoehorning Bond into it. He kind of went the other way. So I'm going to focus on Bond and not get carried away with the locales. So if you do listen to the sound, soundtrack there's very few moments where you might say oh yeah that's very kind of locale of india or that's very from the circus type of a deal so it was an interesting tact Mm. that he took yeah that is interesting i hadn't really thought about it in those terms but now you mention it thinking back to listening to the soundtrack over and over again yeah it is very heavy on the bond theme as you mentioned and more around the action than the locales i think so yeah Interesting. I hadn't thought about it. I actually really enjoyed getting back to a good John Barry score with this one. I think it was not his best, but not his worst. A slightly below par John Barry is still better than a lot of other people's really good stuff. So uh, <laughs> True. I'm sort of jumping ahead slightly, but Van Plessico and I were talking when we were doing our Never Say Never Again movie review the other day that that movie is very stuck in the 1980s. And I think the set, we're going to talk about the soundtrack next month, but mm-hmm. I think the, the soundtrack is too. Well, Octopussy, the movie is more timeless. And again, I think the soundtrack here is more timeless. Again, it, it's more of a, 
feel-good score that goes with the movie that, you know, when you're listening to it, doesn't scream early 1980s like some of the other ones screamed. You know, the ones we've been talking about over the last few months, while they may have been good scores, mm-hmm. they screamed that particular time period. You know, yeah. they screamed mid like to the, late 70s. Like the Bill Conti for your eyes only. The Bill only and the Marvin Hamlish. They, they scream mid to late 70s, even though they, they had some good stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, this, like the movie, is, is more of a timeless score. It, it doesn't necessarily scream early 1980s, but it does really nail itself as a Bond score, a good John Barry Bond score. It's about two cents worth anyway. I think that's perfectly fair. So let's get to some thoughts and the story behind the title song itself. Barry originally approached Laura Branigan for this song. I'm going to pretend I know who that is, but I don't. The name is ringing a faint bell, but I can't think of a <laughs> song title. I know she's a singer, but that's, there's nothing jumping to mind in terms of a hit. I've heard the name. I've heard the name. But anyway, they were originally going after Laura Branigan. So it was Barbara Broccoli herself who was a big Rita Coolidge fan and was really pushing her father to use Rita Coolidge for the theme song. She would play records as they would be eating dinner and things like that. Like, oh, this is at Rita Coolidge. You should use (laughs) Rita Coolidge. And apparently it works. And they brought on producer Phil Ramone. He returned having worked on the On Her Majesty's Secret Service soundtrack. And my notes say the Casino Royale soundtrack. So I'm assuming that 67, he had a hand in the music production over there. I think he did, yeah. Interestingly enough. Now, this is what I found most interesting about the all-time high. This is the first ever fully produced music video of the James Bond theme songs. We had reached the MTV age. So this one actually had a fully produced, made to be released as a music video cut. So this is the first Bond song that does that. I thought that was kind of interesting. The MTV age had arrived, and this one was the first one specifically made to be put on music television. Oh, okay. Yeah. As far as charting, it hit number 36, so not the all-timest of highs on the U.S. chart, but it hit number 36 on the U.S. chart and only hit number 75 in the U.K. So do you have any thoughts on all-time high before we play it, sir? Um, No, let's play it, and then we can. I'll give you some of my thoughts afterwards, okay? All right. Well, here we are with Rita Coolidge and all-time high from Octopussy.
I will say for me, this is one of the most forgettable Bond songs. I don't hate it because the ones I really dislike, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough. And it's not like in my top 10 list. I think it falls into that category I've used the phrase before. It's just wallpaper music. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's there. I was actually just reading Forever and a Day just before we got on here. And there's a phrase that Anthony Horowitz used in there about music, that it filled the space without actually entertaining. (laughs) It filled the space without actually entertaining. entertaining. That's funny. And I I think that's pretty much how it describes this song. For me personally, I actually had to think when we sat down to think about this soundtrack and what we were going to do on the show, I had to really think about what was the theme song. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes it did like, immediately come to mind so i understand it's funny that you say that because i learned the phrase wallpaper music from you a couple of episodes ago and that's exactly what i thought when i think of this song it's nice and it fills the space but it's not a top one and here on the honor majesty secret podcast network the rogue agents just had our first episode of wrecking and stacking the bond songs aggregate between the four of us hosts and yeah this one ended up bottom song or bottom three at least and again not that anybody didn't like it there's no active dislike it just no it just it's is just it's just there it's there yeah. yeah yeah i mean when i think about bond singers rita coolidge doesn't pop to the forefront of my mind this song doesn't pop to the forefront of my mind it's yeah like i said i had to really dig back in my memories to what was the song for octopussy so yeah now, i wonder how barbara broccoli thinks of it now so she was the one that pushed so hard for her <laughs> right then i wonder if she has a change of heart or if she sticks by it either way you know it like we said it did its job and i guess that's all it had to do well i suppose it's time for me to reveal my three selections from the score itself i hope they do well in the west which we all know is decadent and i hope they also do well in czechoslovakia <laughs> i write jokes for me <laughs> You had to get the word Czechoslovakia into the script somewhere, didn't you? I did. I literally did. I was like, Czechoslovakia showed up in the script. So for my first track, I picked the second track from the CD. We're using the remastered CD. I picked track two called Bond Lookalike. I like this track because it has a heavy use of the James Bond theme. Surprise, surprise. As we learned earlier, that was a big thing for John Barry. It's a little on the ominous side, which I know you'd like. It's got the military snare, which I always enjoy from John Barry. And I just hear a little bit of flavor of the Goldfinger score in this song. And I love the Goldfinger score. So let's give a listen to Bond Lookalike.
I like the through theme of the Bond theme here. I, again, I think it works well. This was one that I think it would have been on my list if you hadn't picked it first. So, ah, aha, you for that. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's one that makes me, brings the movie right back to me. You know, it's one I can just hear a snatch of and immediately know it, it's from Octopussy. I think it's a good level set in setting the tone and theme for the movie. Good way to think about it. Good level set. I like that. And with that, we'll move into pick number two. This time around, I went with track nine. It's called the Chase Bond theme. And this is the musical cue that I hear in my head when I think of Octopussy. That dun 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 To me, that is just the most identifiable cue with Octopussy, aside from Desmond Llewellyn, but I'm bump. But I write jokes for me again but that's just the song that's just a bit of music that i just associate with this movie and it's used really well here in the chase bond theme track number nine This cue is really evocative of the movie. Like you said, it reminds me of the movie a lot when I hear it. I think the previous one is more Bondish, but this one, I think more about the sort of the actual octopusy plot line rather than just a Bond action type trope, I think, with this one. So yeah, the Chase Bond theme, that's the one I associate with it. And then I had to pick a third track. And so for number three, I went with The Palace Fight, which is track 10. I really love the energetic high strings that they put over the low Bond theme notes. Almost like you could miss the low Bond theme notes. They're so low as the high strings are doing very exciting things over the Bond notes. So give this a listen and see if you can pick out those Bond theme low notes as the high strings are giving us the adventurous sound. This is The Palace Fight, track 10.
I think you actually just used the right word for this one. It's adventurous. It really does evoke a, a feeling of adventure and action. And I'd never really thought about those low Bond theme notes until you mentioned it. Um, I went back and re-listened to it. And you're right, it is. That underscore is there, and it's uh, very effective. So it's a cool track. Definitely. And now it's time for me to hand it over to you to find out what you picked from these here leftovers. Well, it's time to relax, take a slow boat across the lake, and listen to me to tell my much delayed Maud Adams story that I started to tell when we were doing Man for the Golden Gun and then I decided we were going to hang off and here we go so very lucky I think I mentioned before that uh, at one of the Ian Fleming Foundation events we ended up basically going out for dinner at the end of the day with your friend Lana Wood and Maud Adams and had a very lovely evening and Maud Adams was a charming lady and I got a lovely photo of Jill with Lana and Maud Adams and we had a great time and stuff so not long after I started my new job about six months ago, I was out with one of the sales guys. We were out on a, visiting a client out in the Midwest on a sales call, and we were out having drinks afterwards, as you do, and we start talking. And I don't know how, but James Bond always seems to come up in conversations whenever I've got a few drinks inside me. I don't don't know how that happens. Weird. It was very strange, yeah. So uh, this guy goes, oh, he said, yeah, have you ever heard of a Swedish actress? He says, called Maud Adams. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Maud. We went out for dinner, blah, 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 you know, feeling like I'm, you know, the guy. And he says... Oh, he says, she's actually one of my wife's and mother-in-law's best friends. So we're going to party at her house this weekend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Alan immediately went from feeling like the big guy to feeling like he was about two inches tall. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was funny. It was like, yeah, don't brag about which Bond girls you've been out for dinner with because... <laughs> There may be somebody out there who knows them slightly better than you do. So. Uh, well, you still got me. I haven't, I haven't met Maude Adams. It was no huge great thing, but I just thought it was funny. It really put me in my place very quickly. So, <laughs> so talking of Maude Adams, let's jump into my picks for Octopussy. My first pick is going to be the yo-yo fight and death of VJ. I really like this in the fact that, again, it's that ominous thing. I like my ominous tracks. What I actually do like is the way that it conveys both the building tension and the activity and the frantic action of the fight in uh, Octopus's bedroom with buzzsaws and all that sort of stuff going on. I, I like that. And then at the end of it, it sort of calms down and you get sort of the more ominous notes as Bond comes back to the lookout post uh, and finds Q there with VJ's body and stuff. So I think it contrasts those two pieces of action and the emotions around both of them very well. So let's listen to Yo-Yo Fight and Death of VJ.
I think you hit the nail on the head. It's got that ominous sound. I remember having this record album when I was a kid. My brother and I would listen to it. This one always kind of scared me. It had that ominous sound to it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't like it when VJ died in the movie. I still don't. And it definitely brought that scary sound to it. So, yep, this is definitely an Alan pick with the ominous sounding track. And I love it. It's great. It's a great pick. Cool. So while we were at uh, Octopus's Island, let's backtrack a bit. And for my second pick is actually the cue that goes with Bond's arrival at Octopus's Island, which is imaginatively titled Arrival at the Island of Octopussy. You mentioned earlier about the fact that Barry didn't really go for getting the location sound this Mm. time around. I actually think this is probably the one track where he did that. I think the high note of the flutes and the pipes and the percussions is actually very evocative of the location, but it's done in, I think, in a very subtle way without being cliched and over the top that, hey, this is India and it's sitar music and stuff. So I think it's very evocative of the location, but done in a very subtle way. So uh, let's listen to Arrival at the Island of Octopussy. Yeah, I definitely get the vibe you were going for there with the flavor without the cliche. That was a great way to put it. This track definitely was on my list. If I could have had four tracks, it probably would have been this one. I do like it. I do like the flavor that it brings and uh, the memory that it conjures up of Roger Moore in India. So, yes, well done, John Barry, for giving us that flavor without hitting us over the head with it. So, good track, Alan. Yeah, because unfortunately, this movie does hit you over the head with the location and the cliche stuff in various of the action scenes, but not 
within the soundtrack, so that's good. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> it was too subtle for you. Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, and my final pick is what I call an evening Bond track. I think it's a very soothed, laid back. This is the sort of, you know, with the logs burning in the fireplace, a nice glass of brandy, nice soothing music playing at the end of the evening. A friend of mine actually did a compilation of evening Bond tracks called An Evening with Bond. This is one of the ones on it. And I think it's just one of those perfect end of the day relaxing tracks. And I also like the very soothing use of the melody and the theme the octopusy theme throughout it. So uh, I'm going to sort of wind things up with my third pick, which is My Little Octopusy. Yes, yes. Very loungy bond. Mm -hmm. Evening time, relaxation. Definitely, definitely. Great track for that. Definitely evocative of the scene where Roger Moore spends the night with, uh, oh, what was that actress's name? You'd probably know better than me. Come on. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I can't remember. Uh, no, it's I, killing me. It's on, <laughs> the tip of my brain. You know what? We're not going to answer it on the podcast. We're going to let you shout at your podcast platform, whatever you're listening to on right now. I'm not going to embarrass myself again. <laughs> you guys out there in the podcast listener lane, you know what we're talking about. Go ahead and shout the name right at your podcast listening device, and, and we'll hear you. <laughs> but very evocative of the scene. And like you said, really cool, just loungy, loungy Bond music. Nothing wrong with that at all. And now that we've picked our six of the best, it's time to look inside this fake crocodile to find this episode's bonus track. This time around, I found a bonus track on YouTube. What I like about this bonus track is it focuses more on the guitar. 
The YouTube account is a guy named Kyle Brook. He does a lot of work with the guitar. He's very good at it. He brings in his friend Emma Shipman to sing the lyrics. So it's not a super derivative version. It sounds like a fairly straight up remake of the original, just with a little bit more action in the guitar. When you listen to this, I do encourage you to listen to Kyle's guitar work. I think it's incredible. Emma Shipman does a fine job of singing the lyrics, but really, really tune in on Kyle's guitar and, and take a listen to this alternate version. Sweet distraction for an hour or two Had no intention to do What do you think, Alan? What do you think of the alternate version? Yeah, like you said, among the sort of the more straightforward remakes, I think it's one of the better ones out there. I like the guitar playing on it a lot. I will say when I was putting together this episode's list of cover versions, it was actually very difficult to find things that were a little different. Virtually every cover version is a female vocalist singing it pretty straight. Yeah. Um, not sparked a lot of creativity like some of the other Bond. <laughs> yeah, there's basically no remixes. <laughs> Yeah, or <laughs> um, very few. So yeah, among the ones that we found, I think this is one of the ones that stood out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and if you actually want to hear how other people did tackle this Bond theme, as I just mentioned, I've actually put together a, a playlist of covers on YouTube. One of the biggest surprises for me doing it this time was I actually did in fact find a version of the theme tune sung by Shirley Bassey, which I never knew that she'd actually done a version of it. The Shirley Bassey version of uh, All to Time High is on the list. And if you want to listen to that or the other versions that we found, you can find the link in the show notes. Excellent. Excellent job, Alan. And that will bring us to the end of this episode of Bond Music 6 of the Best. If you have a question or a comment, you can email us at ohms pod at outlook.com or you can comment on twitter at ohms pod and don't forget to subscribe to on her majesty's secret podcast on your favorite podcast platform and if you can leave a rating and review for a show too that would be great 
Or if you want to chat with us personally on social media, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. What about you, Alan? For things Bond related, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Tumblr and Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. Excellent. And as always, we will pass the baton to the White Rocket founder, Mr. Van Allen Plexico, and he's going to thank our generous patrons who support all of our endeavors, including on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have to pause here for just a second. We have to thank the folks who keep our programs on the air across our entire White Rocket Entertainment Network. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks. Just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net. You will find their links to everything that the White Rocket Entertainment Network does, from books and comic books to podcasts about James Bond, about sports, and all the entertainment shows that we do here on the White Rocket Podcast and all the other things that I'm involved in. And you also will find a great big link that goes to the Patreon page, and you can join it, and there are a number of benefits you get for being a member. But mainly, you know that you're keeping our show going and keeping all of our shows on the network going for the foreseeable future. So for as little as a dollar a month, that we certainly appreciate more, you can be part of the White Rocket family and know that all of us here, and I especially appreciate you very much, our current Supporters include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. We also have Clinton and Christopher Stewart, Mickey B., William Morgan, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, AU Falling Up, Alchemist Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Hugh Anderson, Blake Heron, Steve Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Zederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Nguyen, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. And finally, we have Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Russell Souther, Paul Bankson, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle. We're almost to the end, but we appreciate all you guys. Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph Miller, Mark Squire, Chris, Brent Rumble, plus our great Surfer Chickify and our anonymous and occasional and one-time donors. We appreciate all of you so much. Just go to www.plexico.net to sign up. Okay, thank you for joining us for this episode. As Jared mentioned at the top of the show, today's tracks are from the 2003 remastered CD version of the Octopussy soundtrack. As always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl or whatever is the format of your choice. But please support the Bond creative community. Again, was hinted at earlier in the show, we will be back next month with six of the best from Never Say Never Again. Oh my, I listened to you and Van's review of Never Say Never Again, and nobody had anything good to say about the music, so ooh, next episode should be an adventure. It should be fun, yes. <laughs> it's very, very 1983. <laughs> we'll see you all then. Bye.
recording, so that's good. Hopefully, <laughs> everything <laughs> works out. Not, we'll be back next week to record Octopussy. Thanks <laughs> for the best. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Van and I were Mori- uh, Van Morrison. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to look, look it up now. I know, right? I would say if only there was some sort of online digital repository of information. Information where you could actually find Gloria was her top 100 hit. Okay. I'm prepared to believe you. (laughs) In 1982. All right. I probably would know it if I heard it.